I'm Mike. And I'm Adam. And this is Stuff and Waffle. Two friends talking about stuff, and often as not, waffling with frequent reference to Bond cars. This is a, a weird one. Um, it's not, but, that's not like you. No, 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 no. This is all clean, but I, I don't know if there's any truth in this. Okay. Because I've Googled it and I can't find anything about it, really. I got told this by uh, someone who is a Porsche specialist. Okay. He's a, he's a local guy and that, that, that's his only job. But it was, it was about how the Porsche logo, well, not, not so much the crest, more the wording came about. Right. In terms of font rather than spelling. Uh, and it right. was, he said, and I really hope this uh, is one of those things. I really hope it's true because it's such a simple idea. But someone's, someone wrote the word Porsche on an elastic band and then just pulled it apart to give it that look of the font that it's got. <laughs> oh, I hope that's true. Yeah. I it's... hope that's true. Yes, because it's very kind of stretched, isn't it? Yeah. That... And like I said, I've, I've Googled it, but I, can, I just can't find any sort of stories referencing it. I'm thinking, he must, have, he must have got it from somewhere. Well, I suppose. To be spouting that story. I mean, it's quite obscure, isn't it? But, I mean, wherever you see it, it is that stretched, mm. very wide lettering. Yeah. Mm. So it would make sense. I mean, I guess the way to perhaps check would be to see, is to go back and have a look on the very, very first Porsches and see if it was the same. But I guess it could have been done at any time. Well, that's it. I don't know whether this this discussion predated them putting the badges on cars. So it's well, yeah, I suppose. Because um, if um, let's, let's fire up a picture. Ooh, of I a, hope that's true. <laughs> let's fire up a picture of a three five six. No, even that's quite yeah, that's quite stretched. I mean, the three five six badges are a bit different because there's not individual letters. They've got that bar that runs underneath the word to sort of make it all one badge. Uh, yeah. I like that story and I, I want it to be true. So I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm believing it. I'm happy with that. You're going to believe that and you're going to proliferate yeah. that rumor, even if it isn't true. Yes. Well, that's yeah. it. There's no point <laughs> if I said it's true. I just want it to be. So that's fine. Very good. I've just found a page about the font, but it doesn't, it doesn't mention that as you've said. It talks about the name, obviously, from the founder, Ferdinand Porsche, in 1931. Um, and it explains where the, the sort of coat of arms comes from mm-hmm. um, and why Stuttgart is in the middle. But, yeah, it doesn't – the Porsche – the font, it says, is called 911 Porsche uh, with an A. But And you can download the font for free from their website, apparently. Um, oh, really? But, uh, yeah, you can. But, which is surprising. But, yeah, it doesn't say the origin of the actual font itself. Okay. I tell you it what. on a rubber band and stretched it. I, that's, that's wonderfully simple, if that is true. <laughs> I'll tell you what, when, I don't know if it even had it on the car, but do you remember the Type 64? Which was Thanks. supposedly the first, the fir- their first car. Was that the one um, 
Oh yes, okay, yes. I, uh, yeah, I've just looked it up. Yes, okay. It, it looks awful, but yes, it's a starting point. It it is, yeah, absolutely. And um, the DNA is there. We'll we'll give them that. Oh yeah, you can tell it's a Porsche, but then you can if you look at a VW Beetle as well. Um, Daddy, that gets, that gets us into the whole Hitler area, and we don't want to do that. Oh, it's, um, it's either the Hitler area or the Clarkson area. So if you. <laughs> Oh, but you, well, they're very similar. Um, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's a dictatorship oh. wherever we end up. Yeah, it is, really. Yeah, absolutely. One got slightly further than the other. But um, Trying to oh. find a, a picture of the front end of it, actually. Uh, and I think I have. There it is. Because uh-huh. it doesn't look overly stretched on that. Well, I've just found something very interesting here. Okay. Porsche graphic identity uh, has from the very beginning been characterized almost continuously by a sans-serif font. When Porsche started to represent the company in graphical form in posters and advertising at the start of the 1950s, Eric Strenger became a key figure in the company. The graphic designer from Stuttgart worked for the company as a freelance artist uh, from 1951 until the 1980s and also had his own advertising agency. His work not only set the style of the external image of the fledgling sports car manufacturer, but also shaped the visual identity of the Porsche brand over several years. Mm. Uh, along posters, sales catalogues, and instruction manuals, he designed the entire spectrum of Porsche's printed materials. Alongside this, was also heavily involved in designing the timeless Porsche font. I mean, that's interesting. You're saying 50s there, aren't you? 1951, he started with the company, Eric Strenger. Okay, um, well, here you go. Let me... I know this is uh, not very helpful for listeners, but no. <laughs> I've just sent you a picture of the front end of the Type 64, which yeah, was made in, is... in 1939. Okay, uh, well, that's not the font. It's not quite, but it's still... it's still. Well, they're spaced apart. I wouldn't say they're that stretched a little bit, perhaps. There, there's still a stretch there, I'd uh... say. You it goes on to say here, for decades, the sans-serif sans font without strokes across the ends of the lines uh, that form a letter, obviously that explains what sans-serif means, um, <laughs> that, well, some people don't know, uh, that Strenger introduced characterized the company's publication, simple yet concise and expressive like the lettering of the brand name. A serif font was never used in Porsche advertising until the start of the 1980s. Now, this was intended to visually strengthen the positive Porsche feel in advertisements and sales brochures alike. This change was short-lived, however, and the company returned to the familiar sans-serif font from autumn 1980. So they, there's a few things that had a different font on. I'm assuming, obviously, not 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 messing with the actual logo. That would just been surrounding mm. wording, I wouldn't guess, it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, in 1990, Porsche commissioned the renowned graphic designer and typographer Kurt Weidemann, or Weidemann, I guess, in German, uh, to rework the Porsche fonts. He carefully made small corrections, for example, by reducing the thickness of some of the lines and the heights and widths of the individual letters. Um, the font was made easier to read, in particular on moving objects. That's um, crazy. You, he would have been paid millions to do that. Yep, I would have done absolutely. it for half. Oh, yeah, and over a weekend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, and then it says in 2016, uh, the Berlin-based agency Meta Design developed an entirely new corporate design for Porsche that also included further development of the font. Porsche Next uh, replaced the previously used 
Porsche Franklin Gothic is what it's called, font, mm, yeah, yeah. autumn of 2017. Uh, the new font is tailored to print media, online uses, displays and lettering on cars. Its clarity and dynamism also symbolizes Porsche's entry into the digital age. So a few people have had a crack at it, but it was originally Eric Strenger in 1951. But at no point in any of that history, um, and this is on Porsche's press website, uh, does it mention anything about rubber bands? <laughs> but I well, suppose it wouldn't. It's not very sexy, is it? It's not, but oh, blimey. I'd, if it's true, I'd be all over that. Yeah, absolutely. Publicising well, that left, right and centre. We now know the man who designed it originally. Um, are, you, are you off, are you? I, I'm, I'm in full research mode here. I'm going to see if there's any relationship between Eric Strenger and rubber bands. I realize that may turn up websites I don't want to look at. Oh, I'm so um, glad that's your internet connection. <laughs> oh, I didn't do that in a private browser. <laughs> um, oh, no. <laughs> you think what I'm going to get on Instagram tomorrow. Dirty. Um, but again, as you say, there's kind of no mention of it. I really want that to be true, but I'm now, having researched it a little bit, I'm kind of struggling <laughs> to believe it. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's it's because this guy was a professional graphic designer. I I can't believe it would have been that accidental. Oh, I I, I wish it. I really hope it is. I hope it. I do. I hope it's true. I think it's brilliant. I don't know. Maybe 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 sure. a, if anyone knows, let us know. I was going to say maybe a listener will uh, aid yeah. us in this, or at least I, if they've even heard the rumor. Yeah, it'd be nice to know if that is something you've just dreamt up or if it's other people know it. Well, I didn't <laughs> dream it up. He definitely told me. Okay. But I don't know whether he told me. He went, I wonder well, if this dickhead will believe this. We've been through the official history on Porsche's website there. So we now know it's been redesigned three times. We know the names of the people that have designed it and at what times they've done it. But you found that picture of the original car where it is slightly stretched but not as much as it is later on but that was from the 1930s which is before the porsche website say this guy did it maybe he even he was basing it on something that already existed yeah know. that's that's it yeah maybe well that's it maybe. but a lot of manufacturers particularly when they're spelling out the name of the company on a car will use wider fonts and space the letters out because then it spreads out across a bonnet or a boot lid or something like that. Um, I mean, if you look at early Mark One Escorts, there's no blue oval on there. It's the letter Ford, and it's a very word Ford, and it's a it's a very oh, stretched font and evenly spaced out. Yeah, um, yeah. That was quite an American thing, and a lot of them did that. And it's a very wide font um, because then it spreads out nicely without the letters looking too small. So again, it's a kind of graphic design trick, isn't it? To, no, that's true. To and make a short word fill a wide space. Very interesting as well as with Porsche through the years on, the, particularly on nine elevens, the way they to and fro with badging as well. Well, can't you? If you spec it wrong, you can get the badging in a right state, can't you? On the back of a nine eleven, because they let you choose different things. Well, they let you. Yeah, the. There's an element you can have of that. different fonts and different sizes, and you can you can never write dog's breakfast of it if you're not careful. Yeah, because we got to what am I thinking? We probably got to the nine nine seven, 
Whereas I recall, it didn't actually say the word Porsche on the back, but it was model designation. And then after that, it's gone a bit a bit wonky because you yeah. can have all sorts. Well, don't the Carreras can just say Carrera and they don't actually say Porsche? Mm, which I quite like. That, yes. that, that for me is quite lovely, but it's... In in recent times, there's been quite a lot of badge. You think, oh, no, you're going to have to get rid of some of this. I know on the very latest ones, you can choose how it's badged, and if mm. you if you're not careful with it, you can it can make it look a real <laughs> war and peace on the back. Yeah, you can have all of them, but they're yeah. all different sizes and different fonts, mm. and it's not balanced, and it can be a right a right mess. On the subject of badges and logos, mm. here's one here's one for you. What's the only company, only car company that uses two different badges at the same time, often on the same car? Only car company that uses two different badges at the same time. And I'll draw a blank. There will be all night, I reckon. <laughs> Jaguar. They have the Leaper, and they also have the Growler, which is the the face <laughs> of the. And that's what it's called. <laughs> That's what it's called. That's what something else is called. Yes, yes. I know. I wasn't going to bring that up, but trust me. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't. That's what it's called. You look on the Jaguar press site. That is what it's called. called. I've had, so, I'm on my third beer. You can't use that word and expect <laughs> me not to snigger. I once replaced the growler on one of my Jags because it wasn't very well kept. Um, it's got an unkept growler on your bonnet. <laughs> yes. The part that was on my steering wheel, actually. The, <laughs> the <laughs> true. That's what the face of the cat, you know, and the claws and the teeth. Mm. That the round badge. That is called. It's called a growler. That's the official name for it. Oh, someone didn't do their research. No. So that's called the growler. Well, yeah, but it dates back to like the 1940s, doesn't it? So, um, so that's the growler, and of course, there's the leaper, which is the <laughs> The, the leaping cat but they use both badges at the same time on the same car and i don't like it that that's fine you're you're allowed to not i think they like should that. choose one and they shouldn't use both no that that's fine um while we're on the tangent hmm. um would you like another use of the word growler i would I know one other use, but I'm not no, talking other, about it now. No, 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 not that use. That's the one we all know and love. Um, it's a, a vessel for transporting beer. Oh, very good. I like that. Is that like an old English thing? Yeah, you you recognise them. They're sort of a. It, it looks like a big beer bottle with a with a handle, basically. Oh yeah, okay. I got hmm. you. Like a yeah. jug sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Oh, look at that. And there are microbreweries now that if you buy your own growler, you can you can pop to them and they'll they'll fill it up for you. Very good. <laughs> oh dear, we've strayed into a bad area here. I think we're being informative. I think very mm. absolutely. Here's a fun little game. Can you think of exciting cars from dull manufacturers? Well, exciting and dull, it's so subjective, isn't it? <laughs> I get the feeling we're probably on the same page, though. I would imagine. I know I mean, what springs immediately to mind. Oh, good. Good, I like that. Go on, then. Mm, Sierra XR 4x4. 
Yeah, that was. Or that was... technically, I suppose XR4 I rather than the 4x4, because the 4x4 came later. That was a saloon, but the the 4i was a, a three-door hatch. Oh, that's it. Didn't It had all the uh, the plastic on the back, didn't it? That's right. The, the double-wing spoiler uh, and all the, yeah, the plastic around the sides. And it was the three-door, um, which was a bit unusual. Um, yeah, the, the Sierra XR4i. Now, there's something interesting about the XR4i. Oh, I'm very interested. I'm going to have a little bit of a tangent here, if I may. You Early may. in the running, I grant you, but we'll have a little tangent. That body shape, the, the three-door Sierra. Now, they did do a, an ordinary three-door Sierra when it was first launched, mm. if you remember, with an enormous rear window. Yes, yes. On either recall. side, yes. But the XR4i, that rear window was split. That's right. In yep. the center, making two small Yes. Well, that body shape was launched in America, um, but as a different car. Do you know what its name was when it was launched in the States? And it, it didn't, it wasn't an XR4i, it didn't have the big spoiler on the back. It wasn't a particularly hot version. Was it the Mercure? It was. Yeah, very good. I'm uh, impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed. And there's one in Seinfeld. Uh, well, of course there is. There's one part by the in one of the street scenes. There's, there's a Mercure or Mercure or however you pronounce it, um, just parked by the side of the road in in one of their one of their street scenes. Oh, very good. That that'll be Jerry doing his thing again, wouldn't it? That it will be Jerry doing his thing. Absolutely. Very good. A slight tangent, but um, yes. Uh, so yeah, Sierra XR4i would be my my initial thought on that. Okay, that that's quite interesting because we could we could continue that tangent a bit because mm -hmm. the obviously the 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 three door became quite a thing because it became the the RS five hundred as well. It did, although that was heavily modified. That was quite modified, yes. but then you could you could even extend it further than that because the Escort RS Cosworth. That was still a Sierra. Now, now, you see, you didn't pronounce that properly, did you? Um, no, I'm Cosa. <laughs> yeah, Gora Cosa. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> do do try and keep up the standards. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, yes, I... yes. Oh, the Cosworth. Yeah, sorry, me enunciating it. Yes, <laughs> don't don't do that. That's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, I didn't give it its full title, did I? Yes, we know where you are now. That's fine. Mm. So the the Cosa, yes, that was that was a Sierra with an escort body shell, really. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yes, because mm. they put the big wing on the back of the escort as well, didn't they? Mm. Which was a very strange thing. It was. Um, I mean, we we can we can tie that back into ourselves there because that was the first episode we mentioned that. Did we? We did. Okay. Oh, very good. Yeah. No, your memory is better than mine. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we might have done. Uh, yes, yeah. Yeah. That... Well, I mean, all the all the RS cars, all the all the Cosses, um, if you can pluralize that. Um, I'm sure you is... can. Yeah, I just did. Um, yeah, I mean, they're all um, 
uh, quite sought after now, aren't they? They're quite they're quite some um, special, really. Oh, ridiculous money at this point. Yes, certainly. Yeah, anything that carries that name. Mm. Um, yeah, in fact, the the XR four I um, is incredibly rare now. I mean, you just cannot find them anywhere. No, 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 no chance, really. I mean, no. mainly because, well, the the poor things rotted away, really. Yeah, well, they come from that era, don't they? Mm. I mean, you don't see many Sierras at all of no. any type. Very occasionally, you'll see one that's been very cared for. Not very often. No, it's a rare thing. Yeah, it is. Um, it's a very good shout. I like that. I like, I like mm. Strong start with the Ford there. Strong start. And along those lines, uh, and I've the reason this springs to mind is that I've just seen quite a special one for sale. Mm. Um, would be the Lotus Carlton. Oh, well, that's quite interesting because you bring up Vauxhall because I had yeah. that on my list too. But yes, a, Lo- a Lotus Carlton is very, very special. There's one for sale. Uh, it has only done 4,565 miles from here. <laughs> That'll be a bargain. Hundred and eleven thousand pounds. Well, I was just about to ask whether it would hit six figures. Good. <laughs> I mean, it's mint, obviously. Uh, still, that's a lot of money for for that car for a Vauxhall car. <laughs> yes. You think? You think? You think Vauxhall? You think? Well, you can argue that maybe. The GTEs and things like that, but yeah. I wouldn't. Um, I mean, they're interesting, but I wouldn't go. Ex- I wouldn't go as far as to say exciting. No, I mean the the Astra GTE's got a bit of a following, hasn't it? Yeah, I suppose if you go like think back to the Mark Twos, they had those digital dash inside, and yeah, yeah. A yeah. Bit, of, bit of fun. But I think for true excitement. If you're going to stick with a Volvo badge, uh, Volvo Vauxhall badge, uh, VX220. Ah, now that's quite special, isn't it? Yeah, mm. that is quite special. Um, I thought you were going to go Monaro. That is also on the list. Yeah, but, but yes, it, the VX220 it, was something a bit different. Very again, very Lotus-like. Well, that that's the thing. It was basically an Elise, really, an wasn't Elise. it? Yes, that's right. Yeah. But then you think, well, if you say, well, that was an Elise, and the the Monaro, well, that's a Holden. Uh, it is, yes. I don't think any of them are their own, really. No. My main reason for thinking of it recently was um, I've seen quite regularly around here. There's a red uh, GR Yaris. Ah, grr. Indeed, Guru Yaris. Yes, very much of the moment. Yes, and it did half look good. Yeah, they do. Um, I mean, people are really raving about them. Even Harry's bought one. Done such lovely things with the wheels. Gold, sir. Oh, fantastic choice. Get rid of the... I mean, just... I am so bored of black wheels. (laughs) This fad has passed. Please stop putting black wheels on cars. No, I mean, in some instances, they work perfectly, but you can't just throw them on everything. No, but people have been, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, manufacturers have been. I mean, there's lots of cars now that come with black wheels as standard from the factory. No, it's it's very it's a very tricky colour combo, that. don't You can't it's be just, just 
throwing that around. No, you can't. But they they have been. But yes, he's he's had his done in gold, haven't they, to match mm. his uh, his project eight, I believe. Yes, very good choice from him there. That compared to the snooze fest that is the Toyota lineup. <laughs> yes, <laughs> indeed. There's not a lot there to get excited about, is there? Well, they've got the they've got the GT86 or or the yeah, new they've got the R86 on the way as well. I think. Oh, that's yeah. that's a bit interesting. The Supra I cannot get excited about because too much BMW for my liking. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, no idea. Yeah, the GT86 is looking nice, um, but yeah, not the not the Supra. It's just too German. And I'm not really that fussed about the German offering as well. The Z4, it doesn't really do much for me. No, that's never really done a lot. No, I don't think so. I'd rather have an M3, to be honest. I suppose the M cars generally fit into this category. They do, but I'd have to say even the most off-the-shelf BMWs are, while not exciting, they're actually quite pleasant things to drive. They are. I've driven quite a few BMs over the years uh, of various sorts. And yeah, they are. They're very competent. Um, I mean, even the ordinary ones, you know, even the two litre diesels are are nice. I don't think I've ever. I'd have to say I do have one exception to the rule. I did drive on one series that did nothing for me. I've driven a couple of one series. Yeah, one was quite an ordinary one, and one was quite a hot one. The ordinary one, yeah, which was a five-door diesel, I think. Yeah, didn't. It wasn't. I didn't like how it looked. It was the original shape one. I never thought they looked quite right. They were all sort of sagging in the middle. (laughs) Didn't like the styling of them, but yeah, it was all right. The other one I drove was a three-door. It was a slightly later model, and it... It wasn't an M1 because they hadn't done that at that point, but it had got an M Sport pack on it. You know, I drove that down to South Devon and back on a bit of a caper. Very um, good. Yes. Uh, it was a car collection caper, actually. My friend said, uh, who had the one series, and he was going down to South Devon to pick up a, a car for his wife, which I seem to recall was a Renault Clio of some sort. Yeah, we drove down in the in the one series, and I drove it back, and he drove the Renault back. That was okay. Quite enjoyed that. I tell you what, here we here we go on a tangent. The rumor has it that the one series was actually a Rover prototype. Ah, I have never heard that, but I I pray that it's true. <laughs> Supposedly so. BMW retained it after they sold it. Uh, sold wow. Rover. It was, as far as I know, the code name was R30. Okay. And it was a car that was basically going to sit between the 25 and the 45 and be called 35. Okay. And that, the prototype became the one series. That's what I've. I've read, a, I've read a few bits about it. I don't know how much truth's involved, but oh, there you go. I hope that's true. That's wonderful. I mean, the code name would match because all the minis have had R code names, haven't they? Yeah. Well, the first one started with it was R fifty, wasn't it? Yes, that's right. And on from there, and they still use it today. 
That's wonderful. I mean, it would make sense. It's logical. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Look at look it up. There's there's quite a few articles out there about it. Yeah, have a look for the. Yeah, yeah. The... yeah I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised because it was a bit of a surprise when BMW launched that because it 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 was a a small hatch, which is not a market they'd ever been in. And all of a sudden, they were competing with you know heavy hitters in that sector: the Ford Focus and the VW Golf and the Vauxhall Astra and the Master Three. I mean, these are these are high volume cars. It was a bit different for BMW, but I didn't. I, as I say, I never liked how it looked. I always thought the styling was a bit off. Yeah, I still think to this day it's not quite there. No, I don't think it is. But I think if you yeah, if you look that up. Look, particularly look at those early one series compared with some of the the yeah. prototype documents that are out there. I will say certainly similarities there. Yeah, it would make sense. I I hope that's true. Yeah, that's good. I like that. That's that's the sort of fact we like on this podcast. Yeah, definitely up for a bit of that. Mm. Um, here we go as well for another another manufacturer that I mean, it's just a sea of dull on a day to day basis, and yet they produced. The Nissan GTR. Oh, yeah, that's a very good example. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I mean, that was just off the charts, wasn't it? That was ridiculous. Um, just ruining supercars left, right, and center. And yeah. Going, oh, yeah, we make a Nissan Note as well. Oh, good God. Yes, that's right. The same manufacturer who built the Cube <laughs> built the GTR. Yes. Yeah, and that still has a massive following now. Mm. Absolutely. That's very cool. Yes, I'd forgotten about that, but that's a brilliant example. I mean, real extreme, um, considering what they normally make. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. I mean, I know over the years we've had the Skylines, and they've all been very, very cool things. True, and still are, all of them. Yeah. And, yeah, command such a high price now. But mm. the, the GTR is something uh, even a step further. You think about what uh, Litchfield do in the UK uh, with their tuning of mm. of the GTRs, and it's ridiculous. The the, the power output, can, yeah, the numbers they can generate with one of those is absolutely extraordinary. Yeah, mm. absolutely yeah, impressive. Absolutely. I remember when they first showed it on Top Gear. Um, oh, it was such a wonderful episode as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. And that was, I believe, the one they had was pretty much the first one. Uh, they yes. Hadn't, they hadn't made many by that point. No, I think I think that was owned by, effectively, Mr. Nissan. It was. It was. Well, I don't know if it was Mr. Nissan or if it was Mr. GTR. Wasn't he the designer of that car? It was his. Oh, uh, didn't, didn't they prang it? They did. Somebody reversed a crew truck into it and scraped it all up one side. Yeah. And Japanese yeah. etiquette being what it is, they had to write a very grovelly letter to him, apologising. Yes. Well, yes. Uh, yeah. Well, at least they're in safe hands at being Top Gear. They would have made up for it. They had a, at that oh, yeah. point money behind them and very. And very they were sorry, giving but... the car an international showcase. You know, they were they were absolutely glowing about it. And no, you know, yeah. Everyone was excited, and we all yeah. enjoyed that episode, he, uh, particularly the Bill Oddie face mask. <laughs> he can spot yes. your beaver a, a mile away. <laughs> that, yes. 
prop, proper good episode, really good car. Really good car. That's a very good example. I like that. But you've got to think, because Nissan is such a mass market brand, they can afford to do that. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Your smaller manufacturers can't. Although, I mean, I wouldn't call Jaguar, a, you know, to coin the phrase, a, a boring manufacturer of any of their cars, but they did do the XJ220. Yeah, and in terms of timing, diabolical. Oh, terrible. Yeah. But it, it is, I mean, it's it's my favourite of all the stupid supercars. You you are rather partial to a, an XJ220, aren't you? Yeah. And yeah, you're right. It's it it's it's ludicrous. It is. Yes, absolutely. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. They got it all wrong. Yes, but it's, it was a it, bit of a failure in certain yeah. areas. Yes. Well, that's the problem when you look at it and go, it's got the engine out of a metro in it. It, yeah, granted, it was quite a fancy metro. Yes. But there we go. No. Hasn't they got the rear lights from a Series 1 um, Mondeo? Uh, no, the rear lights are from a Rover 200 uh, of the R8 variant. They are, yes. Sorry, I'm thinking of the Noble. That yes, that's Mondeo yeah, rear right. lights. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and it had, as I recall, as many cars did at the time, the uh, wing mirrors off the Citroen CX. <laughs> yes, I've heard that. Yes. Which can be found on uh, Aston Martins. It uh, can be found yeah. on uh, the Renault Spider, the one that didn't have a windscreen, and also the McLaren F1. <laughs> yes. Parts bin specials. Well, there's something about the shape of them they quite liked, wasn't there? Something like that. Plus, I imagine they were quite cheap, mm. <laughs> which probably had a, a bearing on it too. Oh, that must boil Gordon Murray's piss to know that that's on his McLaren <laughs> one. Yeah, but it's going to happen, isn't it? It's going to happen. Little things like that, they are just going to buy in. They've only got so much budget, and if something, if an acceptable part like that can be found from someone else, they're just going to have it. Exactly yeah. like. Yeah, you're not going to spend um, your engineer's time designing a wing mirror or an indicator lens or, you know, a windscreen wiper bracket. You're just not. You're going to buy it in from someone else. That's the trouble, isn't it? It's... Mm. Ian and Callum then... made this point a while ago that the problem, when he when he re-envisaged the uh, Vanquish, the Callum Vanquish as it now is, a car that he designed originally, and you know, he said, well, I would have done this different, I would have done that different, but he accepts that the Vanquish was a, a mass market, you know, for Aston Martin, a mass market car. Mm. And, you know, it doesn't make sense to have a bespoke rear view mirror or a bespoke, you know, alloy wheel nuts or a bespoke windscreen wiper and things. They have to use them from what they've already got. Otherwise, the car would become so expensive, nobody would ever buy it. So, you know, some of the design features have to go out the window. Otherwise, it just doesn't make sense commercially to build it. You know, it's a reality, unfortunately, which is why he now says he doesn't want to do any more designs for OEMs because um, you're just you have to make too many compromises to make the thing viable. Yeah, and you'd yeah. rather do low volume stuff where the price is high enough that that doesn't matter, and you can do 
bespoke for everything. Um, but when you're trying to hit a price point to make it actually make sense in the marketplace, um, you have to use what's on offer. Well, that's it. And I, like we said, we jest about the the Jag and the McLaren. They they they, they were all so so low volume. You have to. Yeah, and these are not companies with a lot of money. No. And you think, well, obviously, Jag could borrow from Rover, so that was that's at least in the same country. Remember, um, the McLaren uh, borrowed its indicators and sidelights from the Lotus Elan, the, <laughs> the, the 90s one, the M100. Yeah. But you look oh. at a lot of cars of that era. I mean, you look at Lotuses of that era. I mean, mm. they're full of bits from other manufacturers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you'll like this. On the topic of that land, the M100, mm. did you know that it was also sold in South Korea as a Kia Elan? Really? Really? I did, I did not know that. Wow. Not not a huge amount. I think probably not even a thousand, probably even less than that. They, they were sold as Kia Elans. But that's the era when Kia, Kia were just making dog muck. This is true. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. I did, that's that's a revelation. But it was a mishmash. I mean, the the engines in that were Isuzu. Yes, true. Yes, just like the engines in the Esprit, or the, certainly the gearboxes in the Esprit were from Renault, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of that goes on. A lot of sharing. Yes, especially, well, like you said, when you're uh, running low on that much cash. Yeah, when you're talking about companies who are trying to put out a car that they can't really afford, they're going to they're gonna do that, yeah. Wow, and you think that, that last Elan, that, that was, uh, uh, was front-wheel drive. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's true. Deeply compromised. Not so good. I mean, uh, I think... If my memory serves me correctly, that that the Kia Elan came about because it flogged rights to Kia mid nineties. Okay, which is why it looks like it does identical. Identical, yeah. Well, again, neither manufacturer would have had any money to do anything about it. I would like you say about parts bin specials and Renault parts. It had the uh, the rear lights off of the the GTA turbo that ultimately came the a610 alpine right okay yes i mean i know alpine heavily um, borrow from renault yeah mm. yeah so that was like a car that i really like the look of actually i really like the, the particularly the alpine variant the, the a610 very obvious good, time good looking car yeah mm. a good looking car they were very cool again it's uh, something about those french manufacturers you think about the 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 venturis of the time as well yes uh yeah lovely looking the, thing yeah the atlantique mm. that's the one yeah. i'm thinking that's a lovely looking thing you mentioned kia i did if i could just mention the stinger stinger is marvelous shout yeah the Stinger is a gorgeous-looking car. Yeah, they've um, they've nailed that. They absolutely have. But when do you ever see one? I mean, I, I've no, never seen one. No, I don't think I have. In in for real, no. they just and yeah, by all accounts, it's brilliant. And it was a total sales failure in the UK. Um, and I don't understand why, because it's 
it's it's gorgeous. It's the trouble, isn't it? When you're spending that much money, do you really want to buy Kia? It's badge, isn't it? it it's is a badge it. problem. Yeah, yeah, it's a badge problem. They almost could have done to have done a Lexus or done an Infinity and come up with another brand for it, because it's just yeah, you stick that Kia badge on the end of the bonnet and it will turn off a huge number of the car buying. Mm, it's not just no. It's not going to work. I won't have a Kia, even though it looks fantastic and by all accounts is a really good car. Um, well, that's the thing. You, you think, about the, think about the Kia range and go, oh, that's a sea of dreary. But they're styling-wise, no. they're not bad cars. No, not anymore. They're getting better all the time. In fact, the their electric offerings are superb. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Their latest one, the, uh, is it called the EV... Five or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, the latest sort of concept thing that they announced, wasn't it? Lovely looking thing. That looks lovely. Yeah, I think their design language at the moment is brilliant. Certainly, their battery and drivetrain tech is fantastic. I mean, they are second only to Tesla at the moment. Mm. Um, But in terms of how the cars look, um, absolutely amazing. But the the Stinger was such a shame because it deserved to do a lot better than it did. I think I think they'll get there. I really do. I think. Yeah. It, I mean, you think back to kind of Japanese brands being held in that sort of regard again. Mm, yeah. It's all right. Not. It's never going to be brilliant. But I think I think it'll I think it'll all change. I think it'll. I become... think they're getting a lot of respect at the moment mm. um, for what they're producing. And uh, yeah, I, I think they're almost there. I, I think they are about to strike it really big. Mm. Um, I think electrification will do them a big favour. Yeah, they've they've got onto it early enough. They really a lot it of people very seriously. They have, and they're they're the ones making it that bit more accessible, price wise. Yes, absolutely. They're battling with the Model Three at the moment. If somebody said to me, you know, I'd like to buy a, a decent electric car, but I don't want to buy a Tesla for some reason. Then I'd say look at look at Kia and Hyundai because I think what they're offering is brilliant. Mm. No, fair play to them. Mm. Tip top Tip recommendation. Top, I would say. Now, if I may just turn it on its head for a moment, you um, may. A, a car that has just sprung to mind, which is not an interesting car from a boring manufacturer. It's a boring car from an interesting manufacturer. If I may just draw your attention back to the Aston Martin Signet. Christ, I've forgotten about that. (laughs) Or blocked out, one of the two. One of the two, yes. Uh, The Toyota IQ with lots of leather. With lots of leather and some cushions and an Aston Martin badge on the front, yes. I think, actually... I've seen one in the wild. I've only ever seen one, and it was in an Aston Martin showroom. <laughs> no, I'd, I saw one at a petrol station as we were driving okay. past. Someone's bought one. Someone's bought one, or some... Uh, it just, just dreadful. Uh, I was with <laughs> Phil at the time. Okay. He was driving, and he didn't see it, and I informed him of what I'd saw. Mm. Uh, and uh, he... Without skipping a beat, just went, what a twat. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yes. 
It, it was quite bad, wasn't it? Dreadful. Yeah. It's just too blatant and too shit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just, yeah, like you say, totally blatant. Yeah, just no, yeah, no scruples there at all. And obviously, just, uh, it only exists for one purpose. Well, that was it. It was to bring overall emissions down, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And I fear they're going to have to play that game again in a minute. Oh, God, what are we going to get this time? Well, this is the thing, isn't it? Um, with the EU's uh, average fleet CO2 emissions and the colossal fines they are going to levy at companies who can't achieve it. It's quite a dangerous situation for someone like Aston Martin. They're really going to have to work on that. It's it's weird because, yes, well, obviously you can see why it's being done. You could probably argue that there should be sort of a, a volume cut-off. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, there isn't at the moment. And I think we're going to have to see a lot of partnerships and a lot of collaborations in order to achieve the aim. Yeah, for, for a small volume, you know, relatively speaking, company like Aston, I think that's that's going to be a serious problem. Seem to spend their life on the brink, don't they? They've never quite managed it, have they? No, no. They always seem to just lurch from one disaster to another, um, always teetering on the edge, as you say. Yeah, it's not so good. And oh, now, well, now they're badged into Formula One. You think, oh god, this is going to go well? Yeah, I don't know if that's the right place for them to be spending their money. Well, fortunately, it seems to be that billionaire Lawrence Stroll spending most of it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, true. So at least it's not the company directly, I don't think. I mean, no. obviously, he's got a hand in it. but Well, we'll see. But they're going to have to come up with something. I mean, they the electric, it was effectively the electric version of the Rapide. I forget what they called it now. We saw it at Silverstone. Rapid E um, or something. Yeah, I think it was. They've, they've canned that. They've got away. They're not doing that. Um, so, well, and the then fuck? they were going to revive the Lagonda brand and make a big electric SUV. Oh, bollocks to your SUVs. Yeah, exactly. Badged as a Lagonda. Um, well, that's never gone anywhere either. And, and it was huge. I mean, it mm. was absolutely massive, this thing. And um, that's never gone anywhere. So I'm not quite sure what they're going to do. But the clock is ticking now. Oh, God, it's another one, isn't it? Jaguar are worrying us, now Aston as well. Now Aston are worrying. In fact, Aston are almost a bit more of a worry. Oh, yeah, good. If if I may uh, flip things back to your original um, um, poser. Please do. And I don't think any discussion of this sort would be complete without mentioning the Honda NSX. Very valid shout. That is... That's right up there. That is not. I, I think so. I actually know someone who who uh, has one. Oh, um, not uh, not. In fact, um, he lives just down the road from you. Funnily enough, is it a silver one? It is. Yeah, I've seen that one, and it's got the NSX license plate. I know the chap who owns that. Lovely fella. Um, he takes that on track days and everything. I've. I think I've met him at a piston heads meet. Actually, you might well have done. Yeah, lovely fella. He's got a local um, business. Because mm. um, he also has uh, a Mini, and I know him from when I was um, doing charity stuff with the with the Mini. Really nice chap. And he, um, yeah, he's had it for ages. 
Mm. Um, and as I say, he um, he tracks it and everything. He drives it hard. Excellent. Um, yeah. But again, fits squarely in our category of exciting cars from boring manufacturers. It does. It puts you in mind of that. You, uh, there's a video of it on YouTube of uh, Ayrton Senna thrashing one around Suzuka. Yeah. In, in moccasins. Because they, they, <laughs> they do a lot of filming of what his feet are doing, and he's wearing some diabolical footwear. <laughs> of course. Yes, well, it's, yeah. it's a lot of the time, again, r- racing drivers of that era, while fabulously talented, not style gurus. No, uh, not the priority, really, is it? No. No, not the priority at all. There is a car that we've mentioned before, mm. um, but again, squarely fits into this category, so we should touch on it. The Ford GT. Yes, well, that's definitely something exciting from otherwise dull it is i mean that's 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 really something far beyond isn't it yes yeah absolutely yeah i mean that's just gorgeous absolutely Mm. gorgeous i really like those i think it was brilliant it's a brilliant piece of design yes well original and remake less so the remake of the remake yeah the latest one doesn't do it for me quite so much but no uh, no, but you know the 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 Clarkson one. That's lovely. Yes, the Clarkson one. Absolutely, um, that is brilliant. Really special. I know his was a bit of a dog, nevertheless. Uh, yeah. It's one of those things. It's well supercharged. I like the noise. I just like the whole concept of it. I like the you know the fact that it was very true to the original, um, but that it, they'd made it very usable and. It was mm. yeah. It was a modern take on on such a classic design. I just think it's great. Really like yeah, it. Yeah, really good choice that one. Mm. Excellent work there, sir. Well, I think uh, that's probably enough of that for this week. Uh, check us out on uh, all the various social medias and things. Uh, thank you very much for listening. <laughs>